If you are just getting started with the NGSS and 3D teaching, I want to invite you to check out Bring Wonder Back, an on-demand video series designed to help you understand why moving through the textbook and teaching topics is actually crushing your students' curiosity and what you can do instead. It's going to help you shift the work of learning where it belongs by building your understanding of explorations and discovery-based teaching practices. And finally, I'm going to help you take the first steps toward transforming your students into scientists through 3D learning, which is really what the NGS is all about. You can access this video series at iExploreScience/wonder and get ready to bring wonder engagement and a love for learning back to your science class. All right, to the show. Welcome to the Teaching Science in 3D podcast. I'm Erin Sadler from Sadler Science. And I'm Nicole Van Tassel with iExplore Science. We're here to cut through the confusion to help science teachers like you make science relevant and engaging with student-driven instruction. We know that when students take ownership of their learning, teaching can be simple and fun. Thanks for being here and let's dive into the episode. Hey everyone, it's Erin, and I'm recording this episode solo again. We actually had an episode that was pre-recorded that we were going to play today, but I pushed it back to next week because I've seen a couple of things come up on my Instagram feed, so I thought I'd address it in this episode. Today, we're going to talk about back-to-school activities and specifically the intro unit. So I talked to a lot of science teachers And it sounds like when I'm talking to a lot of them, so many of you are doing an intro unit. And in that intro unit, you're doing things like introducing measurements and some of the skills that your students will need throughout the school year. And I used to do this too. And I'm going to recommend that you don't do it. And I'll explain why. So I'll start with kind of my history with this and move on from there and kind of talk about why. I don't love this practice and what I suggest that you do instead. So when I started teaching, it was like, I don't know, um, I think it was 2007, may have been 2006. And I was working at a school where we were on a block schedule, which was really nice in some ways because I got to teach a full class in a semester and then, you know, kind of keep track of what was not going well and redo it the following semester. So I got a lot of practice teaching the same class over and over again. And when I started, I was an intern. So I had like, I, I started classes like maybe a week before I jumped into the classroom. I didn't have any student teaching experience. I didn't know anything. And I mean, as you can imagine, it, it didn't go well. Um, I mean, I got through it, but there were a lot of things that I didn't know. And one of the things that really shocked me was that when we were doing activities, there were some students who didn't know how to use a ruler. And so I talked to my colleagues and I was like, what is going on? And they explained that they'd noticed it too. And one of the ways they'd alleviated this problem was by doing an intro unit at the beginning of the school year. So the next semester, I decided that I was going to do this too. 
And I was super lucky. I worked in a department with 10 science teachers. So I basically stole an intro unit from them and uh, just, you know, like pulled from everybody and put together this unit. It ended up being about two weeks long. Uh, Our, I think our semesters were like 18 weeks long. Um, So it was a significant part of the semester. And, uh, you know, I taught it and you know, it went okay. It was okay. Um, it wasn't particularly engaging, but I didn't notice, like, I didn't notice a huge difference in the engagement because I honestly was not a very effective teacher and I was doing a lot of lecturing anyway. So it didn't really matter what I was lecturing on. It was still pretty boring no matter what it was. And I never questioned this practice. I just kept doing it over and over and over again in every single classroom, regardless of what I taught. While I was at that school, I taught freshmen uh, earth science, uh, a, a sophomore biology class. I taught chemistry to mostly sophomores and juniors, uh, an anatomy and physiology class. So I pretty much ran the gamut of everything from freshmen to seniors. And in every single class, I taught this intro unit. And a couple of things started to kind of stand out to me. One, if we were all doing intro units, why weren't our students like getting it? So if we did this intro unit in our freshman or science classes, and every single teacher on campus was doing this, every single science teacher, then why were we having to repeat this over in biology and chemistry and anatomy and every subsequent course. The other thing that I started to notice was as I became a more effective teacher and I had better engagement strategies that this intro unit was really boring. And my students were disengaged and I felt, I felt disengaged. I felt like I was dragging my feet every time I did this intro unit. But I kept going because that's what everybody was doing. Then about my fourth year in, um, I had my daughter a few years after that. She started school, you know, five years later when she turned five. (laughs) And I noticed something right away that kind of shocked me. She started using some of these skills that I was trying to teach my students right away. For example... They were doing graphing in her kindergarten class. And it wasn't like graphing, like plotting points or anything like that, of course. But they did activities where they were like, what animal do you like better? Doggies or kitties? And then, you know, like putting each kid got a sticker and they got to put it next to doggies or kitties. And then they saw which one people liked more. So I I continued to see this. There were a lot of measurement activities like in second and third grade volume activities in fifth grade. And I was like, what is going on? If these kids are being taught this over and over again, why aren't they getting it? Like what is happening? And I came to the conclusion that I was under the mistaken impression that more students than actually were the reality that more students didn't have the skill than was actually true. 
I thought that it was a high percentage of my students when it was actually a really low percentage of my students. But it was so shocking to me that this was happening, that those students stood out. So I had this idea and I was like, okay, I'm going to pre-assess my students. I'm going to figure out what they actually know. So I figure out how much time I need to spend on this stuff. And I started giving um, an intro test like the first week of school in my chemistry class. And lo and behold, it was a very small percentage of students who didn't know how to use these skills. So um, there were students who, you know, like I asked them to measure a line segment and their numbers were a little bit off. And that came from students who just, you know, didn't put the ruler all the way at the end. And I could, you know, just tell those students, hey, remember to put the ruler all the way at the end and start at this mark. And that would fix that problem. And I thought about how this was probably always the case. It wasn't particularly true with this group of students. They were very similar to the students that had always taught. It wasn't like they were there was anything special about them that so many of them knew how to do this. The problem was that I'd never pre-assessed my students. So I highly, highly suggest that you pre-assess your students the first week of school or before you introduce some sort of skill. So this brings me to reason number one that I don't want you doing that intro activity, that intro unit. What I'd like you to do instead is pre-assess your students and we're gonna make it super easy for you. If you're doing some sort of lab activity or something like that, I'd like you to create an exit ticket or find some sort of like really quick worksheet or something with one or two problems and photocopy it for your student and give it students and give it to them as an exit ticket a day or two before you start this activity that requires measurements. Then I want you to see who actually needs those skills. And I want you to take a look at that number and see if it's really worth your time to have the entire class go through it again. If it's, you know, 75% of your students don't know the skill, then I want you to go ahead and teach it a whole group. But if not, then what I think that you should do is pull a small group, which is not something that we're super great at in middle and high school, and teach that group. Or we, um, Nicole did an episode a couple of weeks ago on stations. You can set up a station that's just for students who need help with those additional skills. You can, as you're like passing back their exit tickets say, hey, I'm assigning you to this station because I noticed that you were having trouble with this skill. And that's it. We're not going to reteach an entire intro unit with all of the skills that students are going to need. Because quite frankly, you could be wasting their time if you're making assumptions that aren't true. I was in a training a couple of years ago and the trainer mentioned uh, like a poll that they'd given to teachers asking what teachers felt that they needed. And there were two answers that came up over and over again. The first one is more money. And the second one is more time. So I can't do anything about the more money. I'm not that powerful. I'm sorry. I wish I was, but we can do something about the more time. We have to make the time that we have with our students more effective. So we have to do things like assess our students to see what they really need. I also want to point out something else that I discovered as, you know, I was traveling through time and going through my experience as both a mom and a teacher. I was noticing that those things that I was teaching in this intro unit were super low rigor. And I know that a lot of us don't like that word, but 
we want to be pushing our students as much as we can. And if we're teaching them things that are like third and fourth and fifth grade skills, that's also a big waste of time. We need to respect the skills that they're coming in with, but we also need to respect the intelligence that they have as secondary students um, and really make sure that we're teaching them at an appropriate level. The next thing that I want to point out is essentially what you're doing is front loading. And a lot of what we talk about on this podcast is how front loading is not effective in a science classroom. And the reason it's not effective is because that context matters so much to our students that making those connections and applying it to something is so incredibly important. And here we are, we're taking these skills out of context and just applying them all at once to basically nothing. Um, And I think that we can do better with that. Um, I've seen a lot of people do activities like I talked about before with like the mealyworms where they do like a whole intro unit and they include a phenomenon and things like that. And they are applying all of these skills to something specific And I still don't think that that's a good idea because when we go back and look, we are not using our time effectively. We, that's time that we could be spending on our units that we have to teach. I know for myself, there's almost always one or two units within the school year that I just never get to. And I've tried all different kinds of things. And if I'm teaching effectively and assessing my students and slowing down when I need to, There's just no way for me to cover it all. So adding this intro unit further takes away time that I could be spending on teaching grade level content. So another thing that I'm seeing that teachers are doing in this intro unit is teaching the scientific method. And we don't consider scientific method best practice anymore in any classroom, but especially in an NGSS classroom. And that's because all of those steps in the scientific method are being taught all at once, and it's very confusing for students, and um, it's really not teaching them to understand the practice of science. And there's so many different reasons I could go on about that for hours and hours and hours, and in fact, we have hours of podcast episodes that you can look at if you're interested in finding out about that in more detail. I'll link to those in the show notes, but um, I'm not going to go into that in a ton of detail here. Just know that that's, that's no longer considered best practice. But what I'm seeing instead is that teachers are using the science and engineering practices in kind of the same way, where they're spending a couple of days or, you know, maybe a week introducing those science and engineering practices at the start of the school year. The problem is, is, is that without spending time on a given practice, students really don't understand how to use it. I've used the toolbox analogy before. So if I, if like I ask my neighbor who has like every tool on the planet to help me with some sort of task and he hands me his whole toolbox, I'm going to be totally overwhelmed. But if he tells me, okay, you're hanging up a picture frame, use this tool, and he gives me some guidance on it and shows me how to use it. And then, you know, I hang up my picture and gives me some feedback on it. 
I'm going to get a really good idea of how to use that tool. And I'm going to be able to use it again and again and again and feel pretty comfortable. And maybe I'll need a little bit of help the second and third time. But after that, I'm going to have it. Instead, if he gives me the entire toolbox and I try to use it for all of my little projects at once, I'm never going to get really good at anything. And that's what you're doing when you're teaching the science and engineering practices all at once. You, it ends up being a waste of time because you have to go back and reteach it in context anyway. And and really help students gain those skills and go back and do that like that instruction piece and giving them feedback on that in order to give them in order for them to really be able to use those practices so we're going to avoid that as well okay so i've talked about different reasons why you shouldn't be using an intro unit one the biggest one is it's just not an effective use of your class time two it's not particularly rigorous Three, you're probably going to lose your students a little bit because it's not particularly engaging, and so on and so forth. So what do we do instead? How do we start the school year? It will shock no one when I say that the most important thing that you do at the beginning of your school year is build relationships with your students and help them build relationships with each other and build, build a safe and supportive classroom environment. We have several episodes on that as well, so I will link to those in the show notes so that you have an I some ideas of how to get started in your school year. But then eventually we're going to have to like start teaching content. So how does that work? What I do is I plan on moving through my first unit slowly. I know that it's going to take longer than any of the other units that I take that I teach in the entire school year. And that's because I'm going to teach some of these skills in context. So I'm going to, when a skill is coming up that my students should have based on their grade level, I'm going to assess those students. I'm going to see if they have that skill or not, and then create a plan for introducing that skill or reteaching that skill if there's enough of them who don't know how to do it. So if they're all struggling with measurement or using a microscope or something like that, I'm going to teach that whole group. If it's a small percentage, then I'm going to do some sort of reteaching in a small group. I can use do this through stations. I can do this through um, some sort of like um, Nicole mentioned in one of the episodes using like a QR code that links to a video explaining how to do things. Um, you could have like an info sheet like, hey, as a reminder, when you measure stuff, you're going to start on that first line on the ruler. Um things like that. You can just provide a little bit of scaffolding for students to use on an as-needed basis. I'm also going to provide explicit instruction on the science and engineering practices and cross-cutting uh, cross concepts in context. So um, I, I think the first science and engineering practice that I introduce every year in both of my classes are, is um, asking questions. So I'll introduce a phenomenon. Um, I'll ask them to tell me what they notice and wonder, and then I'll explain the science and engineering practice of asking questions. And I have a handout that I give to students and kind of go through like why it's important. We go through our questions and we sort out like which ones are in investigative questions and which ones are not investigative questions, which ones can we explore in our classroom. And we, we get really good at asking questions that we can answer through the course of our unit. 
this is a resource that I have on my Teachers Pay Teachers, so I will post that in um, the show notes as well. Um, so we go through that practice and we get pretty good at it. And then we move on to another practice. And I'm moving through, you know, we've talked a lot about the 5e model here. I kind of move through my lesson sequence. And when it's appropriate, I introduce another science and engineering practice or cross-cutting concept. So that's dependent on my lesson sequence. Um, sometimes I'll do um, the cross-cutting concept of patterns if I'm doing some sort of card sort, or I'll do the science and engineering practice of modeling because that's a really easy one to introduce because we kind of just start with drawings and move on from there. And I you know, give them more details as we move on. Um, and we just do it a little bit at a time in context. So that particular first, so that first unit goes pretty slow because I'm introducing all of these things in, in context, but it feels less boring because we're applying it to a phenomenon and students are, are actively figuring out that phenomenon. I also find that this is a better way to capitalize on the excitement at the beginning, at the beginning of the school year. Like, your students are excited to be back in school, even if they don't tell you that, even if they act like, you know, they're dreading coming back, they really are excited to see you and they're excited to do science. So don't slow them down and make them do, you know, things that they, that some of them already know how to do, like measurement activities. Go ahead and start bringing in the context that, that you're going to teach, like start bringing in that phenomenon, start bringing in that, that storyline so that they can start to do science slowly, but they can still do science, that they're still doing grade level stuff um, and just a little bit more slowly than they would. And I found that when I did this, my engagement went way up because I, I wasn't repeating things that they already knew. Okay. So there's one kind of like one more thing that I want to add, and that is that there are specific tools that we use in specific classes and you need to provide explicit instruction on those. So I'm talking about things like microscopes if you're teaching a life science class or a biology class. Most likely your students won't have those skills coming in. Or if you are like teaching a chemistry class, your kids probably aren't going to come in knowing how to use a Bunsen burner or, you know, those types of tools. Again, I would still pre-assess them and just see what they know. Um do a really quick exit ticket. It doesn't have to be a fancy pre-assessment just so that you're not reteaching skills that they already have. And then I still don't want you to teach that as an intro unit. I want you to teach that in context. So if you have seventh graders in a life science class, you are going to teach microscopes when you teach cells. And in our integrated classes in California, cells shows up in sixth grade. So if we're starting the school year with something else, some other content, I wouldn't start the year by showing students how to use microscopes. I would start the year or I would I would introduce that when I went into cells. I wouldn't do that, you know, before a physical science unit or something like that. And I know that that sounds obvious, but those are the kinds of things that I see sometimes, um, especially because it's this integrated thing is new to us. So um, so sometimes we're still stuck in the practices that we've always used in discipline specific courses. So I just wanted to mention that because I've seen it a couple of times. 
I think that that's all that I have for you today. This was a much longer episode than I planned on. Um, but I hope that it was beneficial to you and made you think about the way that you always start your school year. If you have any questions, you can reach out to me at Sadler Science on Instagram or Aaron at SadlerScience.com. Uh, our Instagram for the podcast is teaching in teaching science underscore in 3D. You can reach out to me there because I run that account as well. And uh, next week we will talk be talking about observations and it will be an episode with me, Nicole. So no more sep- solo episodes for a little while. Okay. Thanks for listening. Making sure that your lessons are three-dimensional isn't always easy. While you don't need to include all three dimensions every single day, you do want to make sure that each dimension is regularly addressed. I developed a really simple 3D planner to help keep me focused. It helps me track which pieces I'm using in my daily lesson plans. It only takes me five minutes to fill out, and it helps me notice patterns in my own lesson planning. For example, when I first started using it, I noticed I wasn't including the cross-cutting concepts as often as I thought I was. Just by recognizing this, I was able to focus on this one piece and improve my lessons. Right now, you can grab the same template that I use for my own planning for free. Go to sadlerscience.com slash 3dplanner to grab yours. That's sadlerscience.com slash 3dplanner.